This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight to Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having their say. This is our multi-platform broadcast. Thanks for joining us right now, however we are getting to you. But don't forget, you can also listen to this on 90.1 FM, KPFT, your community station. And you can also watch this at fox26houston.com. And of course, you can meet all of us in person at some of these awesome events. Today's a really exciting show. So if you promised yourself this year you'd finish your book, but because you keep giving back to others, you're involved in the community, you fear that maybe you won't be able to get to that book this year, we're here to help you because you're about to hear more about the Mokondo Writers Retreat. You're going to find out about how to get involved, the deadlines, what's involved. The deadline to apply is February 20th, 2022. But we're going to walk through all the steps of the history of this fantastic event that was originally founded by Sandra Cisneros and several other amazing Chicanas in San Antonio. But now we share it with the world. Let me give you an idea of who we're having on the show. We're going to have Pat Aldrete, who's joining us right there. His applications coordinator for the organization. And then Norma Cantu, who's a giant in Chicano letters as well. And then Amalia Montes, who, of course, is a brilliant writer as well. And they are all board members. What we're going to do today is we're going to have them act. We're going to treat them like writers, because that's what we want you to do as well. And I think that's what happens when we are very involved in the community. People know us as community organizers, advocates. They might forget that we're writers. We want to make it clear that these folks are writers. You may be wondering about this new evolution of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. We want to thank the BIPOC Arts Network Fund. They've given us a grant so that we can come up with a team that can work on all our multi-platform shows throughout the year. I'm Tony Diaz. I'm happy to be your host, also known as El Libro Traficante. You can also catch me on our other show, Latino Politics and News, as well as a political pundit on What's Your Point on Fox 26 Houston. But of course, we still have our websites, all of our social media platforms, but this is all about community. Welcome, Pat Andrete. She is the Applications Coordinator for the Mokondo Writers Retreat, and the website is mokondowriters.com. Pat, I miss you. <laughs> Thanks for joining the show remotely, and thank you so much for being involved with Mokondo for so long. When did you first get involved with the organization? My first year with Mokondo was 2005, and I've been 
uh, involved as a participant and then later on the board and now as the applications administrator since about uh, 2016, 2017. That's fantastic. And I know that's not glamorous work, okay? <laughs> it takes a lot of tedious work. Um, you know, when people write about poetry, they're doing line breaks. You're working at Excel. <laughs> You're checking emails. Um, why, why do you do that? Because that's like being an accountant for words. I love Macondo. I love Macondo. I love everything about it. And when I had the opportunity to give back to it, um, it, it's been very satisfying to me. And it's something that I just want to share with as many people as possible. And I want to get the word out. I want people to know this is your, this is your homeland. You know, join us. It's something that changed my life. It can change yours. And so I want to do everything I possibly can to encourage that. That's beautiful. And I'm going to resist diving into all those details because I promised we're going to treat each other like writers. So you were kind enough to agree to read one of your pieces. Please introduce the piece and share it with us. Thank you so much. This is an excerpt, a condensed excerpt from my story, Bobby Kennedy Comes to Town. The narrator is a 12-year-old girl, and she's hanging out with two of her homegirls. Hey! Did you guys hear about Bobby Kennedy coming to town? Chata and Rosie's head snapped in my direction. Don't lie, Essa, Chata said, her dark eye, brown eyes glowing. It's true, I said. I heard it on the news, eh? Wow, this is big time, Chata said. When's he coming? Bobby's coming tomorrow, I said. He's going to come down Brooklyn Avenue. It was the main street in the Maravilla section of East Los Angeles where we lived. Rosie waved her hand lazily. So what if it's coming? What do you mean, so what? I demanded. Yeah, Essa, Chata joined in. Bobby was with Cesar Chavez when he was on that hunger strike. Sides, I added. Who's left now that Martin Luther King got killed? Rosie looked at us. You think Bobby Kennedy cares about us? Hell yeah, I do, I said. Haven't you heard him or seen the places he goes? You don't see Nixon in East L.A. And I hope we never do see that pinche payaso, Chata said. My brother says Nixon wants to ship him to Vietnam. Yeah, Chata sighed. Bobby's one of us. He's going to stop the war. You'll see. Things will get better when he's president. The next evening, Chata and I went down Brooklyn Avenue to wait for Bobby Kennedy to come. Both sides of the street were lined up and down with people, eyes shining and smiling. I looked around and wondered if Bobby would notice how clean the streets were, clean for him. My mother and brother walked over to us, moving easily through the crowd. Any sign yet? Nico asked. Nah, I answered. He was supposed to have been here a while ago. An older man in faded brown work clothes said, Ya verás, Bobby va venir. He may be late, but he'll be here. My mom smiled at him. Si, si, senor, for sure Bobby will be here. The man continued, Bobby's going to finish what his brother the president started. Pobrecito. When Bobby's president, it'll be a better day for everyone. And even though I was born here, for the first time I feel like this country will be my country. His eyes glistened. From the east, we heard a roar growing louder and louder. 
People all around us surge towards the street, moving us along. He's coming! He's coming! Somebody yelled. The crowd chanted, Bobby! 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 The car was directly in front of me, and Bobby was reaching his hand out. I saw him and sucked in my breath. He was blonde and blue-eyed. I knew he was white, but it was still shocking to see. His grip was firm and sent a bolt of electricity up my arm. It was over in a second, and he moved on. We stood there dazed and happy. We held our right hands up as though we would never let anything or anyone touch us where Bobby just had. Even my brother was smiling. The older man we'd seen before yelled, Viva Bobby! Viva Bobby! The crowd took up the cheer. Everyone was in a great mood, laughing and smiling. Ya ves, the man said to my mother. Didn't I say he would come? Bobby won't let us down. The next Tuesday night, we watched Bobby win the California primary on television. It was at a fancy place called the Ambassador Hotel, and it was packed with shrieking, joyous people. Look, I pointed at the TV screen. There's Dolores Huerta. Dolores Huerta had co-founded the United Farm Workers Organizing Committee, along with Cesar Chavez, but you usually didn't hear much about her. It was getting late, and I was sleepy, but I didn't want to go to bed. I lay down on the couch and fell asleep. Wake up! Wake up! Nico was shaking me by the shoulders. I had slept on the sofa lots of times and didn't understand why he was bothering me about it. Leave me alone, I groaned. Bobby's been shot. I bolted up. What? Don't play like that. The tears in my brother's eyes were real. He pointed to the television. Newscaster Baxter Ward looked dead serious. Senator Robert F. Kennedy has been shot. His condition is reported as critical. My mother sat between my brother and me, crying hard. Both Nico and I had our arms around her. We sat silently, watching the television, and even though we pulled blankets around us, we were chilled through and through. Thank you. Wow, that's powerful, Pat. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. If folks are just tuning in, we had the pleasure of hearing an excerpt of a post piece by Pat Alderete, who is Applications Coordinator for Mocondo. And I think, I think folks that are not familiar with our community owe it to themselves to look up so many strands of what you shared there, as well as they're going to have to maybe look up some of the Spanglish Taventates ahí, you know, <laughs> which is fascinating. Is this part of a larger work? And is this some of your real life also? Yes, it's both. Um, I really did shake hands with with Bobby Kennedy on Brooklyn Avenue when I was 12. And it's uh, something I'll, I'll never forget, and just how much we loved him and how painful it still is. Over 50 years later, it, it still is heartbreaking that we lost him uh, the way we did along with the others. Uh, it's uh, a chapter in my book that's almost completed. It's tentatively titled, uh, no world, but this world. And uh, I, I've been working on it. That's fantastic. And thank you. 
just one thing about that history. I mean, I think some people may not understand uh, how big a figure him and his family were two Chicanos and Mexican Americans because he was among the people. He was there. He was with Cesar Chavez. He was with the farm workers. You know, he was he was with us. And that's really powerful. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. And speaking of working on your books, I mean, so I have a Master of Finance and Creative Writing. I'm also a product of Mocondo. I learned some craft at the Creative Writing Program, but I really feel like at Mocondo it was – coming back to my spiritual, cultural homeland. Tell us folks who may not be familiar with Mokondo, why we are so enamored, <laughs> why we feel so beholden to the movement, uh, and, and where it sprang from. Well, Mokondo started in 1995 around Sandra Cisneros' kitchen table. And with her guidance and love and support, it has grown into this organization that has over 200 members. And we welcome writers from all walks of life, all genres. Um, it's not cent- ethnocentric to, to any one group. Again, we, we welcome everybody. What we do have in common is a, a love of words and a real spirit of community justice, of social justice. That's what we have in common. And that's something that we all... Um, strive for at Macondo. But if those are things that interest you, we, we invite you to come join us. Once you're a Macondista, once you've been accepted as a participant, you're always a Macondista. And, uh, you, you just send us the application. And if there's, you know, no physical limitation, if there's room in the class, uh, you're in. The first time you do need to, um, answer some questions. You need to uh, supply a, a, an essay s- describing your social justice work, and you have to submit a 10-page maximum writing uh, sample. It is then judged blindly. All identifying information is removed from that. It is sent to our panel of readers, and it is judged solely on the quality of the writing and the essay, the quality of social uh, justice work you've done. So those are the two components that are absolutely essential. And again, it's, you know, all identifying information is removed. So it's, it's a, a blind judgment. And right now, Te Están Tirando Flores, actually uh, on social media, Jessica just posted a wonderful comment. She's a dear friend of the movement. She is with the Institute of Chicanist Psychology. She says, Presente. She's te está tirando flores por tu obra. She loved it. And she said, so much amor for Mocondo. She will be applying this year. And I tell you what. Excellent. She walks the walk and talks the talk because the Institute for Chicanx Psychology is all about social justice. So that's really exciting that she'll be submitting her work. Uh, I want to remind you, the deadline is February 20th at midnight. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. So we're putting all the specific details by region there. So it looks like it's a hard thank deadline. So. Yes, thank you for doing that. And I, and I just want to say that I do hope people will do it a little bit before that deadline. <laughs> because sometimes uh, the formatting might be wrong or there might be questions. And the people that, that wait for the last minute, there's there's not enough time to... Uh, correct that. And I want everybody to have the same fair chance. 
So please get those applications in. Let us help. And, you know, we, we, we really welcome you with open arms. who is a brilliant scholar, professor, editor, and writer in her own right. Really great to get to say hi to her, even if it is remotely. So first of all, a virtual abrazo, Norma. Wonderful to see you. Igualmente, Tony. Mucho gusto. And thank you so much for all you've done for Macondo and for La Raza and for literature. Mil gracias. That means so much coming from you, como una amiga, como una hermana, but for someone that has paved the way and, and done so much for, for so many of us, uh, that means a lot. Thank you. Um, but we do want to treat you like a writer because I, I got introduced to your work first as a writer, Canicula, right. <laughs> you know, beautiful work. Um, but having said that, um, do, do you were kind enough to say you would read the piece to us. So uh, do us a favor, introduce the piece and share it with us. Sure. We'll start with that then. It's from my latest collection, Meditación Fronteriza. I don't know if you can see that. And uh, the poem is a prose poem, My Mother's Hands. Those hands, her hands, I know them well. My mother's hands, hands that wipe the many a baby's bottom. Hands that crocheted booties and hats and blouses and scarves, tablecloths and afghans. Those hands rolled out thousands of flour tortillas, empanadas, pie crust, tortillas y azúcar. Hands that lovingly caressed my father's face, that wiped a child's feverish forehead, that playfully patted a passing child's behind, maybe even raised a chancla to threaten a child acting all chiflado. Hands that massaged a colicky baby with olive oil, Hands that smack the mosquito about to bite her baby and equally adept shoot away a fly from landing on her face. Hands, hands, espulgando a grandchild in las tardes de verano, piojito, or espulgando a beloved pet looking for pulgas or garrapatas. These are my mother's hands. In youth, deftly applying lipstick. Now, Gently but obsessively, nervously twitching, wrinkled and worn out, yet warm and loving. She holds out her hands. Mira que vieja estoy, she exclaims, surprised by the wrinkled skin, the liver spots, the twitch. At every goodbye, she expertly forms the cross with her thumb and index finger, touches my forehead and blesses me. Que Diosito Te bendiga. That's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, what I always love about your work is that you, of course, have mastered the aesthetics of form. But you bring so much corazón from our community at the highest aesthetic level possible. You cross all those bridges. So, so thanks for all the work that you do. And then you use my favorite word, chiflado. <laughs> <laughs> Gracias, Tony. Yeah, I, I I use Spanglish quite a bit in my work, as you know. <laughs> so being from Laredo, I can't help it. 
I love it. But that's also the sensibility that you can get from the Mokondo Writers Workshop, which is something that I didn't get when I was getting my Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. So I'm the first Chicano to get a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing from the University of Houston Creative Writing Program. So I learned more about the aesthetics, uh, mainstream aesthetics, which is important. But I didn't get insights into a lot of the forms you just breeze through right now. But Mokondo provides all those things. So tell folks right. a little bit about the evolution of Mokondo. Because yeah, well, like uh, Pat was saying, in the early days, it was a small group. Sandra convened and uh, Sandra Cisneros, our founder, had a vision to provide a space precisely what you're talking about, where those of us who may not, um, who want to deviate from that standard mainstream uh, and to also always keep at the center that social justice mission that a writer has and the commitment to that. So what at the beginning, the, the uh, teachers, the faculty were ourselves, you know, we, everybody was doing it. Now it has grown. And every year we bring together four or five workshops. Each workshop is maxed at 10 participants and we usually have a fiction writer, a poet, now a creative nonfiction. This year, we also have young adult. Jen is doing that one. Uh, in fact, Jen De Leon, uh, her workshop is on the young adult, for the young adult audience, anybody writing for young adults. We have Urayo and Noel, who is doing the poetry workshop. We also have um, Kirsten Iverson, who is doing a fabulous workshop on landscape and borderscapes and talking about the environment. It's a really important uh, workshop that really makes us think and write about issues like the environment and climate change. And then Nelly Rosario, who is um, doing her, the workshop is why we write. And um, it's a really I don't know if you know Nelly, but she's just fabulous, and it's going to be a wonderful one. And then we also have Dorothy Allison, who is doing the creative nonfiction. She's doing the memoir. Um, Nelly is doing uh, fiction, and uh, Kirsten is doing the creative nonfiction. So it's a really rich, yeah. <laughs> a smorgasbord yeah. of genres, and uh, you apply for each one. You signal on your application, which one you want to be considered for. It, I have to be honest, it's competitive. Not everybody gets in. But you're not going to get in unless you apply. <laughs> so do it. And especially if you have a particular passion, if you want to be a poet or if you're already writing poetry, definitely go with the poetry or young adult. So just look at the, the, work, the website. It's macondowriters.com. And you can see descriptions of each workshop and a biography of each of the, of the uh, faculty that we have coming in, in July. The workshop is held the last week in July from Tuesday to Saturday. It's going to be virtual this year. Next year, we hope to be in person. And it's going to be at my institution at Trinity University here in San Antonio. And the idea is that we come back to San Antonio where it originated. We've always been here. We've been at different venues in the community throughout the years. So we're really excited and we're already planning 2023. That's fantastic. And of course, you know, for folks that are supporters of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say, 
we're happy to serve three years as the fiscal sponsor. But now we're really excited that Trinity University is taking up that role because they just have so much resources. Uh, they can help with the buildings. But you know what's fascinating, uh, Norma? I'm really impressed by Trinity's outreach in the community. You've got Trinity University Press. Um, San Antonio también. So shout out to the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center's Latino Bookstore. I'm really proud to be the literary curator for the Latino Bookstore. But Nisitigale Flores at Trinity University, because they bent over backwards to make sure that at our launch in October, we had stocks of their books. And it's really complicated to get accounts open with even university presses. I'm not going to bore people with those details. But Trinity had one of their reps go to their warehouse. <laughs> As Lima Traficantes, we're getting smuggling books, so we pull up in the truck. <laughs> we can do that. And we pulled out a big haul so that we could have a huge inventory of books. And they published so many books as well. So it seems like Trinity is a wonderful home for us. No crees? Oh, absolutely. And yes, thank you so much to Nuestra Palabra for being the fiscal sponsor for the three years. Also, thank you to XNM San Antonio because yeah. we were there for three years. Exactly. And like I said, we've been in a lot of places, including the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. Oh, nice. And that was a fabulous time, too. We've been at Our Lady of the Lake, at St. Mary's, at, at Trinity. Actually, back in the 90s, we had oh, workshops really? at Trinity. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't remember, but Arturo Madrid reminded us about that. And so, yeah, it's been all over uh, the city. And I think at each space, we have gendered all kinds of new thinking and new ways of being in community. The work Macondo has done in the past, including going out to work with uh, youth in the high schools or uh, prisoners, uh, we have gone beyond. The ivory tower, as it were. We're, we are writers, but we have a commitment to social justice. And I think that's what differentiates this workshop from others. It's kind of a retreat because you are, everybody's there, the whole cohort. You're in your workshop, you're doing the work, but you're also immersed in that community of writers and as a group. And what's really exciting for me is now that we're, we're virtual last year and this year, we have something called chuparrosas. So chuparrosas are for people who have already been to Macondo, like yourself. But you come to the workshop and you work on your work. You don't have to go to workshops. You, are, you don't register for workshops. You just come and work on whatever you're writing in community. You write together alone. <laughs> and that has gone really well. So those of you who are out there who have come to Macondo, join us again. Sign up for a, a Chuparrosa. I think the other thing you mentioned, too, is key, especially for writers that are involved in social justice issues or giving back to the community. We have a lot of moments where instead of writing our own work, we may even think that's selfish. We're spending time with a cause or community organizing. Right. This is important to chalk up that time, like you said, that week to be selfish, if you want to call it that. It's not really selfish, <laughs> but to write on your own work. So I'm glad you reminded yeah, us. To honor your gift, to honor your commitment to the writing, to the work. Definitely.
Amelia ML Montes. She's going to answer every single question we have left remaining. <laughs> That's a tall order. It but, is. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for, for, for joining us remotely. It's wonderful to see you. I miss hanging out with you. I miss you too, and it's an honor to be here. Al contrario, al contrario. Really blessed by all the work that you do, the literary career that, that you have. But more than anything, you give back to students, to writers, as a mentor. So first of all, I want to thank you for that. But thank I'm gonna you. Stop. Yeah, I'm going to stop. We're going to treat you like a writer. <laughs> so you were kind enough to say that you would uh, read a piece for us. So if you would please uh, set it up and then read it for us. Sure. Um, this is a nonfiction piece. Um, that is a chapter in my book, La Llorona on the Danube, a Chicana in Serbia. Although this section has to do with Los Angeles and the Mexican border. My family would cross the Mexico-U.S. border multiple times every year, either to visit family on longer summer road trips or for shorter weekend trips, because my parents loved to go dancing in Rosarito Beach and Ensenada. To get across and reach these seaside towns, we had to traverse the famous and feared Rumorosa, which is a kind of border crossing within Mexico, having its own set of dangers. I mention La Rumorosa because even though it is not a sanctioned state-policed area, its natural boundaries pose another kind of border odyssey. La Rumorosa is a 72-kilometer stretch of road that can make anyone contemplate one's existence or the importance of it. I must have traveled back and forth with my family on La Rumorosa at least five or six times a year. You could say I am a Rumorosa survivor, one of the lucky ones who did not end up crumpled and broken at the bottom of one of her canyons or burned up in a truck on the side of one of her hairpin turns. During those years, the only way to get to Mexico, specifically places like Mexicali, Hermosillo, or Rosarito Beach, a driver had to face crossing La Rumorosa. And it was important to have all of one's faculties in check, but that sometimes did not happen. For example, when my parents were having a fight, I could tell because the tension in the car was up and my father would accelerate around those hairpin turns. He had long ago trained my mother not to be a backseat driver, but her body gave away what she never voiced, a stiff back, fingertips smashed hard on the dashboard. Other times, when all seemed fine, we would be singing to Mexican music on the radio, and La Rumorosa felt like a cool summer drink, each curve smooth and easy. Today I see roads and highways as what defined me. La Rumorosa was one of those childhood roads along with those in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is well known as the city of freeways, crisscrossing and intersecting each other. In L.A., I know the movements and personalities of freeways like the San Diego 405, the Hollywood 101, or the Santa Monica 10 laid out before me. They are as familiar as the oil derricks nodding their metal pumps to the left and right of all these roads. But across the Mexican border, La Rumorosa is an important, nascent memory. It is a road named for the breath it exudes, the whispers it contains that one can hear in whistling points as you keep driving through it. 
La Rumorosa, they say, is a natural made road. It was made not by blowing up its hills or mountains to lay down track. Instead, La Rumorosa follows the natural shape of the hills and valleys. It is like a snake slithering round a web of mountains up 4,000 feet, one right after the other. Many a driver who lacks the attentiveness to nature, who thinks even just for a minute that the world was made for them, will soon lose. Nature must be attended to. In some places, the road is so narrow that a mere inch of gravel separates the car and the canyon below. This is the road that formed me when I was little. And when you're a child, you have no fear. At least I did not. I was excited about La Rumorosa. I looked forward to entering its labyrinth, my father at the wheel, leading us into, through, beyond, and back again by the end of the weekend, sometimes in pitch dark when I could feel my sense of hearing, working hard to achieve a precision of defining sounds, my eyes watching every shadow. I didn't have any concept of fear about how dangerous this all was. I just noticed that in the front passenger seat, my mother would tense up her hand every other second, reaching for the dashboard. I would kneel on the seats facing the back of the car, my elbows dug into the rear console, where I'd hold my head for hours, watching how the road would escape from under us, going further and further away, the trees, brush, rock formations of La Rumorosa passing us by. It was like a film. The road would curl and wind past me, making way for a glorious view of mountains and previous roads we had just been on. I found it fascinating to see where we had been. Had anything happened, the odds of my surviving a tumble down the canyon or a head-on crash on this rickety, narrow, two-lane highway would surely be quite low. But what did I know as a five-, six-, seven-year-old, year-after-year experiencing the spiral-rounding curve-after-curve of La Rumorosa, hearing the deafening sound of massive truck horns on the other side of the hairpin turn, noticing a solitary cross by the road or a cluster of brightly colored wooden crosses, one after another on the inclines. Gracias. Thank you. That's fantastic. I re that's some really beautiful prose. And you know, you know what I, w I love that you do too? You have these toques that are so profound, but they come across as just natural, like even the title, La Llorona on the Danube. So they, you know, it sounds cool. It comes out smooth, but you're talking about, you know, the folklore and then the Danube. So you've got those juxtapositions. I think that really epitomizes the cool work that you do. So felicitaciones and thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, thank you, Tony. Thank you. And, and thank you for sharing that with, with students. So, so here we are. We are uh -huh. inviting folks to, to live up to that New Year's resolution, maybe the one about the dieting has gone to the side, maybe the one about reading, <laughs> maybe they're off to the side. The beginning of the year, a lot of us say we're going to finish that book, we're going to write that book. We want to help you do that. Mocondo Writers Workshop is one way to do that. You can go to MocondoWriters.com to get to the application. It's due February 20th at midnight Pacific Standard Time. So you gave folks two extra hours, right? Because if you're in Texas, that's our 2 a.m., I think, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so you gave folks two extra hours. What did we miss? There's so much to talk about, really. Well, you? one thing I want to add, I want to add a quote from Sandra herself, Sandra Cisneros. Mm -hmm. And it's on the website, but I'll read it. Mm 
She says, Macondo is open to anyone as long as they are an activist. I have never been Latinx centric. In Macondo, we have people from China, from Pakistan, and yes, we have Latinx gente, all colors and all classes, all inclusive. Previously, I invited the participants, but now there is an application process. And let me tell you, people at Macondo have lived lives. They have stories to tell. And I just wanted to send that out, Sandra's words, because indeed, all of you out there watching this, you have a story to tell and we want to hear it. I'm glad you reminded folks of that because I can attest not only is that true, but I gained so much knowledge from folks that bring these wisdoms, different cultural views. Um, I guess I can mention it. So I have a, I'm finishing a book. It's due out in, in, in August of 2022 this year. But some of the early drafts I spoke to and talked through as a chuparrosa at Mocondo because, you know, it's not conventional template, but still have to give meaning. No, I mean, we got to meet. <laughs> we have to meet people where they can still understand what we're talking about. Yes. And, and and I think I benefited from all those different perspectives. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Um some people, hey, they're gonna say, hey, look, it's four Chicanos today, right? <laughs> for everybody. You you can be white. <laughs> I mean the workshop leaders, you have Dorothy mm -hmm. Allison, you have Kristen Iverson. I mean, we we're not this is for everyone. Great. And actually, folks, the Stantirando Flores, we got uh, uh, Amelia Contreras giving us a shout out saying that it's beautiful. Uh, Jessica throwing, throwing more flores saying that it's wonderful. I really do hope that we've reminded folks that the deadline is February 20th, 2022. Mm -hmm. um, you've made it till midnight, but they don't play. I, I will say this the drop box is turned off when they say it's turned off. Don't do that to yourself. I mean, if things come up, um, if you need that adrenaline rush to write something, may maybe that's what you need to do. But they can submit work that they wrote two years ago, not three years ago, yes? Yeah, they can. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe that's the piece that needs to get brushed up and, and edited and worked on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the other thing that we may not have focused on, too, is the readings. There's so many wonderful readings. There's a great open mic. I had the privilege of hosting one of the open mics. I know. It was great having oh having you there with us. Oh, thank you. And it yeah. was so much fun. Right. And all the writers were. Yes. And um, we have seminars of in, in addition to the workshop I, leaders giving a talk. Then we have seminars by other uh, past macondistas and famosos. And also we also bring editors and publishers to talk about the publishing process. Yes. Mm -hmm. And some of the Mocondistas met their agent at the conference. That's it. Yes, they did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, before we bring in our other two, the other two board members, I do want to add this though. So it's wonderful to think about getting published, but personally that to me isn't the goal because we're now no. talking about a corporate publishing industry. Mm -hmm. This is about, writing from your heart, yes. express yourself, right? Right, because the writing we do and get published is writing that uh, 
is focused on social justice, focus on having people understand um, the world, understand communities and individuals um, who have who have never had their stories told. So important. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, let's bring on the other two uh, board members. And uh, Norma gave us a shout out to remind us that we've got a bit. Norma, aquí están Texas. I do, Texas. Yes. Pero Pat's in Califas. And then Amelia's in Maine. And I'm in Houston. Oh, my goodness. So... I'm so blessed that I got to to meet all of you in person and hang out with each of you. How about how about each of you give us one last sentence to animar alguien? I think I think if someone is listening or tuning in, and they don't submit, it's maybe some of those fears about being rejected or the writing's not good enough or maybe it's not time. Can can each of you give us one sentence to kind of fire up that person that's right teetering right on that edge? Uh, let's start with a mommy. Oh, <laughs> tu palabra es importante. And there is nothing, no one is ever perfect. We need to hear your voice. That's the most important. We need to hear your voice. That's beautiful. Pat, what what line or few words would you say to, to give that person? I would say, push? you're the only person that can tell your story, and we need to hear it. Please, apply. I love it. Uh, Norma, close us <laughs> out. You know what? This time, you're about to touch the heart of a writer that in a, in a few years, they're going to be, I tuned in, and Norma said something that changed my life. Norma, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say your voice, your story. <laughs> Pero la verdad es el alma. Mm -hmm. Writing transforms the soul. Mm -hmm. It's a way for us to be in the world and be able to cope with the world. Mm -hmm. And through Macondo, we find that we're not alone. There's a community. So definitely apply. Y que si no te, te aceptan. That's not why you're writing. We write, like you said earlier, it's not about the publishing. It's something bigger than us. And mm -hmm. I, I really hope that Everyone who watches and listens to this looks in, in your soul. Just look at that, mm -hmm. what you're doing with your story, with your voice, mm -hmm. and make that commitment mm -hmm. to join our community. <laughs>